everyone and welcome back. I am the Bull and this is See the Bull Ski, the podcast where we talk about leadership, followership, resiliency, and wellness. If you listened to the last podcast, I gave some homework and I hope you did it and I hope you are taking steps to improve your own self-care, wellness, and ultimately your resiliency. If you reflected on your own resiliency and you know maybe you're having a hard time knowing what to do or how to improve it, Remember, you can always talk to somebody that you're comfortable with and get some ideas and support moving forward. Please don't give up. It it takes time. If you haven't listened to my other sessions, you can check them out on whatever platform you're listening to this one on. And of course, thanks for listening. For today's session, I want to touch on leadership a little bit. So this last week, I had a great conversation with a young airman who really wants to get promoted to senior airman and then become a staff sergeant. Now, obviously, that's a great goal. But as him and I were talking, you know, I asked him why he wanted to get promoted and just some general leadership type questions and and things that I love talking about. And the more we talked, the more anxious he kind of got. And he ended up essentially saying that he realized he wasn't prepared yet to be a supervisor. And we had this great talk about that transition into being a supervisor for the first time. And it made me reflect back on my own experiences. You know, I think that transition into being a supervisor is always a bit tough. You know, maybe you're engaging with new people in a new environment, or in many cases, you're just moving up the ranks within a known environment. And it can be tough to navigate that transition, especially for the first time. Nobody's perfect, you know, and I'm not going to lie to myself or anybody else about me being the best supervisor from the beginning or even today. You know, leadership is a continual process of growth, and I can definitely say I've grown a tremendous amount, and I just wanted to take today and go over some of the things I wish I knew then that I know now. So today, I'm going to go over 10 things I wish I knew as a first-time supervisor. You know, just to be clear, you know, I've learned more than 10 things, but I wanted to start with some of the bigger lessons that stood out to me as I thought about doing today's recording. Again, like all my recordings, these are just some of the lessons that I myself have learned. So please, grain of salt, but maybe it can help you on your own leadership journey or help somebody that you know. You know, I think all of these are applicable to any type of leader, whether you're enlisted, officer, civilian, contractor, maybe you're in the military, maybe you work in the civilian sector and you came across my podcast, whatever. In that light, I'm going to try and keep all of these, you know, tips and tricks neutral. That way, anybody listening can kind of get something out of it. So here are 10 things that I wish I knew as a first-time supervisor. Number one, have a vision, right? Sounds very, very fancy. Having a vision is just a big fancy way of saying having a goal or direction that you want to go in. When you go into a leadership position for the first time or any time, you're being put in charge of a person or a couple of people or maybe an entire section, and you're in that position to lead them. To lead means to have others follow you. Well, if you don't know where you're going and what you want to achieve in your leadership position, why should anybody want to follow you? And if you do something like impose discipline, you know, where you're in charge, so people are going to do what you say just because you're in charge, they're going to listen to you, but they're going to listen to you the minimum amount they have to to not get in trouble. When you're a leader, I think it's important to have a vision and then inspiring other people to also believe in your vision and to want to follow you versus being forced to follow you because of your rank or you know your title or whatever it is. So start with having a vision and that can take a long time. It took me years to figure out what my vision was for myself, uh, for my job and you know for others. And some people don't buy into my vision and that's perfectly fine. Um, as long as we're all moving in the same direction and we're working as a team, you know, create your own vision. Find find a way to make your impact in whatever environment you're working on. But have that vision and goal. You know, why should people follow you if you don't know where you're going? Number two, 
no job is beneath you. Um, you. I've seen this happen a lot, and I think you know I probably did it too. Where when you're the lowest ranking person, you know you kind of get all of the the cruddy jobs that nobody wants to do, and you know then you become the supervisor, and haha, I don't have to do these things anymore. I'm going to give it to the lower ranking people. Um, and really, I, I've come to see and I've come to realize that no, no job is beneath you. So you know even simple things like taking out the trash or you know doing paperwork, filing. Uh, pushing a toolbox, you know, manning the front desk, answering the phones, all of kind of the smaller, let's say mundane jobs that, you know, are typically left to the lower ranking people. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty and work with your team. Don't put yourself above them and look down your nose at the people around you. Uh, your people beneath you that, you know, you're leading that, not necessarily beneath you, but that you're supervising, they're a part of the team just like you are and they get busy as well. So like, there were many times when I was working in my my uh, clinic, and you know the phones would be going off the hook. You know we'd have people at the front desk; things are going crazy, and I would see that you know the recycling needed to be taken out, or the trash needed to be taken out, or you know something spilled that needed to be cleaned up, and I would just do it. Like I wouldn't make a big show of it; I would just do it. And one of the things I realized is like when the people you're supervising and leading, when they see you willing to do those small mundane jobs and not just kick it to them because you're oh so superior they they tend to respect you a bit more and it does foster this this mindset that you know we're all people we're all part of the same team you know everybody has a part to play but everybody can contribute to even the most simple of tasks and it really does foster trust and respect amongst everybody number 3 learn from your subordinates right there are more subordinates than supervisors in a work section so by keeping in touch and talking with your subordinates, you get a pulse on what's going on personally and professionally with your team. Now, I'm not saying you have to be in the weeds, you know, with every single aspect of what's going on with your people, but when you're a supervisor, you should be taking the time to make sure that, you know, whoever you're supervising, your supervisee, what's going on? How are they doing? What do they have going on? What stressors do they have? What difficulties do they have? How can you best support them? One of the things that I love hearing from leaders, and more importantly, I love seeing from leaders and one of the things I try to do myself is what can I do to be of service to you? You know, it's not that I'm above you and, you know, you are my minions. It's no, I'm, I'm in the position that I'm in and I have the rank and authority. So let me use that to help you better perform. Because again, there's more subordinates than supervisors. So if I take care of, let's say I've got five people, you know, working for me. If I take care of those five people and help them through personal struggles and help develop them professionally, those five people are going to get way more done. And if they're running into barriers, Part of the job of having rank, position, being a supervisor, being a team lead, whatever, is you're there with the power and authority and the voice to speak up for your team and help remove those barriers. So I've always believed that as a leader, you are there to be of service to your team. You are there to help take care of them, make sure they're getting what they need, to use and leverage your experiences to help them with their difficulties. So learn from your subordinates. Don't be afraid to ask them and create that environment where they're comfortable talking to you. Number four, own your mistakes, right? Be confident enough to admit when you make a mistake. Nobody's perfect. I have had so many leaders that flat out made the wrong call. 
and you could tell they know that they made the wrong call. But rather than just admit it and move forward and, and you know, be honest and be maybe vulnerable for a second and just, hey, I, you know what? I made a bad call. My bad. Let's let's get after this. I won't do it again. You know, things like that. A lot of leaders tend to get into this mindset, especially first time leaders, that you have to be perfect. Right. You you're not allowed to make a mistake. And if you made the right call, it was the right call, no matter what the outcome was. And it's so funny because I think people do that because they're afraid of being seen as incompetent. But when you make mistakes and everybody does, when you're a leader and you make mistakes and you're unwilling to admit you made a mistake, that actually is what will make people see you as incompetent because either A, you're more focused on your own ego than doing the right thing and you know making an apology when it occurs, or B, you legitimately don't see how you made a mistake which means I have to be worried about your future decision-making because you might make a mistake in the future and you're completely blind to it. It doesn't do anybody any good to just dig in your heels when clearly a mistake was made. You don't have to beat yourself up. You don't have to make yourself, you know, weak and miserable and pathetic, but just acknowledging that, you know what, a better decision could have been made. Maybe I should have taken this feedback. My bad. Thank you for the feedback. I apologize. You know, let's move forward together. Let's get this resolved. Own your mistakes, it's okay. And this is also equally important because when you're able to own your mistakes and accept that feedback that maybe you did make a mistake without flipping out or without hiding behind your rank or your position to you know, protect you, it also tells your people that when they make a mistake, you'll hopefully be understanding of them. And just remember, nobody's perfect. You know, Own your mistakes, be a good role model. Own your mistakes and move on past it. You don't have to let it tear the whole team apart. Number five. Don't be afraid to give feedback or ask for it. I've seen this so much, and I think I suffered from this a lot when I was a first-time supervisor. And I think to the today, even to this day, I think I still suffer, uh, struggle with it sometimes. Because when you're a supervisor, you're responsible for giving feedback and for developing the people that you're leading. And it's an unrealistic expectation, but a lot of supervisors and a lot of leaders, like you feel like you have to be perfect. And so because you know you're not perfect, you're afraid of giving feedback because you know of this mindset that you're worried other people will have like well you're not perfect either so who are you to tell me that i could perform better you know make sure you're perfect before you come talk to me that all to me comes down to how you give the feedback and also being a leader or a supervisor being willing to get feedback yourself you know we can always improve i've gotten tons of feedback i in no way shape or form think i'm perfect and i seek out feedback not only from my mentors and my supervisors, but I want feedback from the people that I lead. Because if you want to know the value and how good a leader really is, ask the people that, you know, that person is leading because the followers and the subordinates, they will let you know exactly the type of leader that you're dealing with. So don't be afraid to give feedback. You don't have to be perfect, but kind of going back to having a vision, if you're in a supervisor position, you should kind of know what the expectations are. You should know the job. You should kind of have a good understanding of what should and shouldn't be happening. And you're at the supervisor. You're higher ranking, which means hopefully you've gone through and been successful at doing certain things and you know what needs to get done and why it needs to get done that way. Give that feedback. You know, Let people know why you're doing what you're doing or why we are doing what we need to do. Let people know how they're performing and make sure you know how you are performing as well. And again, the only way you're really gonna know how you're performing is from feedback from your subordinates. I'm not saying you gotta be liked by them. I'm not saying you have to be their best friend. You know, there, there, there are leadership styles that are more about the interpersonal, personal relationships, um, obviously keeping it professional, but leading because you're liked. Um, 
there are pros and cons to that leadership style. And I'm not saying that's the best way because I don't think that it is. But there is a way to find that balance between the professional and the personal. And the better you cultivate that relationship, the better receptive you and your subordinates will be to feedback. Number six, it's okay to not have the answer. Okay, again, a lot of leaders feel like they have to know everything and be perfect. And it's one of the things that I think you have to learn as a leader is how do you find that balance between having the answers and maybe having the wrong answer and not having the answers and finding a way to convey that you don't have the answers, but that doesn't mean that you're dumb or foolish or incompetent and just acknowledging that you need to go find the answers. Um, one of the things that I've struggled with, and I, I still struggle with this at times because of my personality, not using that as an excuse, but it is how I can sometimes come across, is that I'm a know-it-all. I know everything. I have all of the answers. And I don't. Let me go ahead and say it. Now it's recorded. So, you know, people can use this in the future for me. I do not think I have all of the answers. But I can say that I have spent a lot of time trying to learn and cultivate my own ideas and finding answers and solutions that make sense and that work for me. And so I try to find a way to be confident without being arrogant. And it can sometimes be really, really tough. And sometimes, you know, fact of the matter is sometimes it's not that you're arrogant. It's just the way that you're being perceived by the other person. And you can't really control how somebody else is going to perceive you. So you just learn to, you know, from interactions with different people, you learn different ways of communicating that's more effective to the whole communication cycle. So it's okay to not have the answer. Uh, one of the sayings that uh, I learned a couple of years ago was it's okay not to know. It's not okay not to find out. And nobody knows everything. And that's okay. And let your people know that it's okay that they don't have the answer. It's vastly more important that you know how to get the answer than just outright having the answer right from the get-go. You know, you got to be kind of be, be realistic with expectations of what you're capable of. Number seven, empower yourself and empower others. Take charge at your level and step up, right? When you're a first-time supervisor, you are a supervisor, right? Take charge, start to lead, obviously stay in your lane and, and operate appropriately, but don't be afraid to step up and make a call. Encourage those you lead to do the same and mentor them to be ready when their time comes. You know, and if you're not sure what kind of your parameters are, what is within your lane, you should be going to your mentor or your supervisor and kind of finding out where do you, you know, what are your parameters um, and, and begin to cultivate that. Nothing is going to make you ready to step up and lead. You just have to step up and lead. And over time, through experiences, succeeding and failing, you will begin to see where your strengths and where your weaknesses are. Um, and again, weaknesses aren't a bad thing. They, they really are opportunities to grow. But don't be afraid to just step up. And the other part is, is encourage your people to step up as well. So I'll give you for instance, <clears throat> when, I was, uh, when I was working in maintenance, um, there was a while you know, there at the very beginning where I was so worried about you know, offending people that outranked me that even though I had rank myself, I came in and I would wait to be told what to do. And eventually I had a supervisor who was like, dude, you come in, you, you've been doing this for a long time. You know what's expected of you. Just go, like do it. And I kid you not, I took that and I ran with it and I came in and before anybody got there, like I didn't wait for permission. I started doing what I knew needed to be done. And, you know, people's perception of me improved and the work work went better and my supervisors became more reliant on me because, okay, I didn't wait to be told. I just started doing it. You know, if you're coming into a work center, if you've been working there for at least a little bit and you kind of have an idea of what the day-to-day -day ops are, get into work and just get to work. 
you know, start hammering out what you know needs to get done. Maybe some days you're going to have something random pop up, but people aren't going to be upset if you just get going. Take charge, take the lead, empower yourself. Don't wait to be empowered by others. Number eight, be the best you. Don't try to be somebody else. You know, learn from everyone around you. I've had great supervisors and I have had truly horrible supervisors. I have had mentors that I look at them to this day. Some of them are still, they're retired. And I still look at them and I'm like, I want to be like you when I grow up. And I've had other supervisors in my career where I, it really questioned whether or not I wanted to re-enlist. Like, wow, like people like you got promoted. I don't want to be a part of this game. And I appreciate both of those leaders. I really do. From the good leaders and the mentors that I looked up to and to this day still look up to, I, I want to take the good pieces of them and I want to like, why do I look up to them and why do I admire them? And I want to p- make them a part of myself. And from the poor leaders, I want to find out and understand why I think they're poor leaders and I want to stay away from those habits and behaviors and mindsets myself. But at the end of the day, I need to be me and you need to be you. Be you. Be the best version of yourself. Nobody's going to be a better bull than the bull. Like not to speak of myself in the third person, but nobody's going to be a better me than me. You know, I'm like Wolverine. I'm the best there is at what I do. So be the best you. Don't try to be somebody else because when you try to be somebody else, you're always going to come up short because you're not that person. But that doesn't mean you can't learn great lessons and take away amazing skills and mindsets and perspectives that will make you ultimately a better leader. I, to this day, you know, for better or for worse, I am a culmination of both the amazing leaders that I've had, officer, enlisted, civilian, my parents, everything, and the poor leadership that I've had in the same categories. You know, I'm a culmination of both sides. So, you know, don't don't try to be somebody else. Just try to be the best version of yourself. Number nine, you are the supervisor. You are not their friend, but you are still a human and so are they. Right, so you're their supervisor, not their friend. Find a good balance between the personal and professional relationships. Um, I think a lot of people, and I've seen this quite a bit, when they've become a supervisor for the first time, you know, on Tuesday they were the peer group, you know, they, they were the subordinate group, and they were all peers. And you know, they come in the next week, and now they're the supervisor, and it's like they come in as a totally different person, and they go way to the extreme, and like they try to shatter that relationship they had because they think that that's leadership. And this is where people end up going like, oh, you put on staff and you think you're this and you think you're that. If you cultivate a professional relationship, and this is something that my friends helped me learn when I got promoted ahead of them a little bit. Um, When you have a good relationship professionally and personally with your coworkers, when you get promoted, ask for them to support you. You know, so I had a friend and I got promoted and he didn't. And I actually ended up going to him because I was super, super nervous. And, you know, after a, after a little while, a couple of weeks of me being a supervisor, I knew I wasn't being effective and him and I were talking and, you know, we were friends, but I also outranked him. And, you know, from talking to him and just getting feedback from him about how I was coming across, which could have been better. I didn't know. I'm not going to make an excuse. I didn't know, but I was trying to be better. Ultimately, I ended up going to him and I said, okay, dude, I'm going to try and be better. I need you to support me. Like you're my friend, but you're also my subordinate. Like back me up, you know, you know, be my wingman. And he did. And that's where I kind of realized that leadership is a very big symbiotic relationship between leadership and followership. And, you know, without getting too big for my britches, you know, you are their supervisor, but you're not their friend. There needs to be that friendly barrier. Now we got along great outside of work, but in the work center, 
you know, I had to be the supervisor. This also can mean, or doesn't have to necessarily mean, you are not a machine. You know, find that balance between being a professional and being personally polite and respectful. Uh, one of the things you hear is, you know, it gets lonely at the top. Uh, it can, if you allow it to be. You know, I, I never let my rank get in the way of a good relationship with other people. I have never once tried to engage in a conversation where my rank overshadowed the fact that we are two people talking. I don't care who you are. Like rank should never get in the way of just common respect and decency. Now, when push comes to shove and the mission gets done, you may have to give orders and you may have to give guidance and direction and go, look, this has to happen. We need to move. This is not a discussion, but that should not be your default way of leading. If you're relying on your rank and your position to get things done and completely disregarding the personal aspect of leadership, you are never going to be effective. Never. So you are their supervisor. You, you're not their friend, but that doesn't mean you can't still be human and be respectful and be courteous to one another. And again, find that balance, right? And a lot of times it depends on what's going on, how important is the needs of the day. You know, days where it's not as hectic and you can be more personal and, you know, share stories and joke around. Cool. Do that. Let your people see that you're a person and that you care about them as a person. When the chips are down and it's time to move, the chips are down and it's time to go. But make sure your people understand that. And, you know, only what they call flex. Really, you know, you only have to flex when you have to flex. If your default leadership is flexing, you're not going to be effective. I'm sorry, you're just not. And number 10, and I saved number 10 for the most important. I, I didn't know whether to make this number one or number 10, but I wanted it to be number 10. That way it's the most recent thing of the 10 that you hear. Your number one priority is your people. Right? This is very self-explanatory. But the better you take care of your people, the better the job, the better the mission will get done. A lot of people like to say the number one priority is the mission. Okay, I get that. But cultivate a mindset of mission first, people always. Because you need your people to get the job done. Making your people a priority also helps you when you need to give feedback or direction in getting things done without it making people defensive. When you show that you care about the people beyond just the position they fill, like you you care about the individual or individuals, they will be more receptive to feedback. You will be able to work along better with them because it shows that you do care about them and people are gonna perform better in environments where they know that they're cared about. People give up and lose morale and just stop caring and underperform when they come to realize that they're working in an environment where when they break or if they left, nobody would care and they're replaceable. And to it's a weird thing because we might be able to put somebody else in that position, but no person is just replaceable. Like we're talking about living, breathing people. We need everybody. If you're working in a work section, you need all the people that you have. Now, you also need them to perform and maintain standards and be professional and, and all of that stuff. But we need our people and our people know and they deserve to be cared about and they need to know that they're cared about. Taking care of your people, it also helps them feel comfortable giving you feedback about issues going on in the workplace. Talking about that symbiotic relationship between leaders and followers. You as a leader need to know what's going on in your work center and you need your people to tell you. You know, Using the analogy I used earlier, if you've got five people in your work section, those five pairs of eyes are going to know, see, and hear way more than you are ever going to know, see, and hear. And they're going to be aware of issues and difficulties and struggles and problems. 
And you need to know what those are so that you can use your leadership to help rectify those situations. But people are only gonna feel comfortable talking to you and telling you if they know that you care about them. When people don't think they're cared about, they shut down, they cloister up, they become protective, which means they're diverting energy to self-preservation and they're not gonna expend energy beyond what they have to to survive. Who creates that environment? Supervisors, leadership. You're ultimately responsible for creating an environment where people can perform at their best. That is part of your job as you get higher and higher up the chain of leadership. So your number one priority should always be your people. You wanna get the mission done? Take care of your people. I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again. Unless somebody wants to try and convince me why people are not a number one priority, I would love to hear the feedback and have a discussion about it because I like hearing different perspectives. But in my experience, people will always come first because in order to get the job done, you gotta have your people. Please keep in mind, you know, you're not gonna wake up one day and be a supervisor with all the answers. I've supervised individuals, groups, sections, you know, I've been in overseeing way more people. And I'll never have it all figured out. I'm still figuring it out, you know, and, and that's okay. You don't have all the answers now. I don't care what your rank is. You do not have all the answers because at the end of the day, when you're leading people, you're leading that people and everybody is a distinct individual with their own experiences, their own needs, their own concerns, you know, everybody's different. So you're never going to have it all figured out because everybody's different. And it's not about being perfect. It's about being committed to doing the best you can each day. It's the willingness to make the best decisions you can, reflecting on those decisions and moving forward with more knowledge than you had yesterday. It all starts with just an internal commitment and faith in yourself and others to be the best you can be without holding yourself back like out of fear. A lot of leaders are afraid to make calls. They're afraid to make decisions. They're afraid to step up and lead because they're afraid of failing. They're, they're afraid of being seen as incompetent. They're afraid of making a mistake. It's okay to be afraid. And if you're a young leader or a seasoned leader, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Right? When you make a mistake, it gives you an opportunity to learn. If you play it safe and never take a chance, you're not growing because you're staying in a comfortable bubble. If you want to innovate, if you want to get ahead, if you want to make things better, then you've got to take some chances and you've got to be willing to fail. It's okay to fail. I ha can't even imagine how many times that I have failed, come up short, made a bad call. And you know what? Would I have made the same decision? Yes, because making the decisions I've made and making the mistakes that I've made allowed me to understand why they were mistakes. Now, obviously there are some things that are, you know, <laughs> there's no way you can justify that this shouldn't have been done to begin with, right? Those aren't the kind of mistakes I'm talking about, but taking a chance, making a call, maybe you set priorities wrong, whatever. It's okay to be afraid. We're all afraid at some point. And the only way you're gonna get over that fear and develop that courage is by embracing it, by falling forward as we call it. You know, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the willingness to act despite that fear. So if you're listening to this and you're looking at becoming a frontline supervisor and maybe you're feeling overwhelmed and worried, it's okay, we've all been there. Reach out to your supervisor, reach out for your mentor, ask questions, do the best that you can. Nobody's asking you to be perfect and it's okay that you're not perfect. Just keep trying every day to be better. Eventually you will get there, I promise. It just takes time and time comes with its own batch of good and bad. So thanks for listening. Please share this out to someone you think it might help. You can find this session and others on Twitter, Spotify, Amazon uh, Music, Samsung Podcast, 
podcast index, listen notes, and of course, rss.com. And in case you thought I forgot, nope, I got some homework for you. Ha <laughs> ha. In case you were thinking, I mean, nobody's forcing you to do the homework. Here's your homework. Reflect back if you're about to be a frontline supervisor, how good of a supervisor do you think you're going to be? Like, what do you think your strengths are? And also, what do you think your areas of improvement could be? Okay, what are you good at and what do you think you need to improve upon? Once you have that kind of list and idea, ask yourself, who can you talk to to better leverage those strengths that maybe has the same strengths you do and find out how they use those strengths? And if you think you have some areas of improvement and you're not sure where to go, look for others around you that have those weaknesses as their strengths and cultivate a good relationship with them and learn from that person and keep learning. Sometimes we perceive somebody's you know failing is actually not a failing. There's a reason why they do what they do and we just don't understand why they're doing it that way. So that's your homework is again, a little bit of self-reflection. If you're a seasoned leader, reflect on yourself. What are some of the things that you wish you had known earlier in your career? And then maybe sit down with some of your subordinates and share your own experiences. Open up about your own mistakes and you know, talk to people about what mistakes you've made, what you've learned, and help cultivate development. Don't wait for your subordinates to come to you. If you're already in a leadership position, pass on what you've learned. You never know what kind of difference it can make in somebody's life and in somebody's career. I am the Bull and this is See the Bull Ski. I'll check you out next time.